John 10, verses 11 through 18. John 10, 11 through 18. If you got it, won't you stand on your feet with me as we read the Word of God? We've been walking through the I Am statements today. We want to talk about Jesus saying He is the Good Shepherd. Verses 11 through 18. Here now the reading of God's Word. It says, I am the Good Shepherd. The shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is the hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep and I have other sheep that are not of this fold, I must bring them in also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have the authority to lay it down and I have the authority to take it up again. This charge I received from my Father. The very words of God, amen. amen. Today I want to preach on the topic, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. These are the words that Jesus said. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, thank you so much for this morning. You're a good, good God. We thank you for bringing us together. God, I ask that you'd have your way in this place, that you would protect us as we're in this Christmas season, God. But let us not forget the reason for the season, which is you. Father, I ask that you hide me behind your cross so that you may have your way in this place. Be lifted up, Jesus, and we pray all these things in your name. And everyone said together, amen, amen. amen. You can be seated. One of the songs that I love singing during this time of year is, Oh, Come, Oh, Come, Emmanuel. Anybody like that song? Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel. I love the words of that song, especially around this time of year, because it's very easy to get distracted with all that's going on, like family dinners. You have family drama, on the other hand. Then you got Christmas shopping. Then you got the lack of money to go Christmas shopping. I mean, y'all, it's easy to get overwhelmed or overly excited during this season because of all the things that are going on around us. So when I hear those words, oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel, Emmanuel meaning God with us, I get excited. I, I, I start to become thankful because in the midst of all that's going on around me, whether it be the excitement or the sadness, Jesus came to be with us. He came to be with us today, and he's coming back again. See, that, that, that gives me joy during this season. That no matter if I'm excited or I'm sad, I get joy because Jesus wants to be with me. See, in this passage, he says, I am the good shepherd, which in essence is saying the same thing. He's saying, I want to be with my sheep, and I always will be with them. I won't leave them nor forsake them. He says, I know my sheep, and they know me. And then he says, I will lay down my life for them. Family, as I preach today, this is what I want you to meditate on. I want you to meditate on what it means for Jesus to be the good shepherd. I want you to think about that. What does it mean? Because here's the thing. We believe in Jesus. Him shepherding us should bring us joy. Should bring us joy. 
This passage here, it comes on the heels of where we left off last week. In fact, if you weren't here last week, this passage is it's in the same passage in the context of what he said last week, where Jesus is talking about being the door, which is a little unusual when Jesus does, when he says parables, when he gives illustrations, usually he's trying to get across one main point. But in this one, he also, he's saying, I'm the door, but then he says, I am the good shepherd. It's all in the same passage, which is unusual, where if you remember from last week, I said that you only get into the sheepfold, which is the people of God, through the door, which is Jesus. He's making this exclusive claim saying, I am the way. I'm the only way into the people of God. It's through me. But if you remember, I said you only get into the door to the sheepfold if you go in with the shepherd. The shepherd, Jesus, in this passage, he's saying, I am the good shepherd, which again means that I am, where he's saying that, he's saying, I'm God. I am means to be, and it also means I will be. So he's saying, I will be. I, I am God, and I always will be God, but he's also saying in this particular passage, I am the good shepherd to the sheep or God's people, and I always will be. Don't miss that. Now, when you're looking at this passage, there's something about this word good. There's something about this word good. You, if you read it too quickly, you'll miss what he's saying. He's saying, he says, I'm the good shepherd. He doesn't just say shepherd. He specifically says good. He says the good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. Now, let me, let me try to break this down a little bit for you because I, I think you might be missing it. He says, I'm the good shepherd. The word good here is used to describe the role of Jesus in the context of a self-giving person where, where, where he says, I'm going to lay down my life. Which, which implies way much, way more than just saying he's a good person or, or she's good looking or you did a good job on the court. Not like Robinson or Jay, like you did a good job on the court. It's, it's not that type of good. He's saying, I'm the good shepherd that lays down his life. Now, this reference to good shepherd is from the Old Testament where if you read through the Old Testament, God is continually referred to as the true shepherd. The true shepherd, some of my Bible thumpers in here, you, would, you know some of these passages. If you don't know them, you probably heard your grandmother say them. My grandmother used to recite them to me all the time. Passages like Psalm 23, where it says, y'all know it, say it with me. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Y'all know that. I mean, and if, if, even if you're not saved, sometimes you heard somebody say that the Lord is my shepherd. <laughs> Psalm 23. Here's another one, Isaiah 40, verse 11. He will tend his flock like a shepherd. He will gather the lambs in his arms. He will carry them in his bosom and gently lead those that are with young. These are both passages that refer to God as the true shepherd that cares for and leads his sheep. But then as you read through the Old Testament, you also see that David is referred to as the shepherd, as a good shepherd. Not in the same sense of laying down his life for the sheep, but in the sense of him being a good man or a good leader. He's commonly referred to as a shepherd. You see this in 2 Samuel 5, 2, where it says, In times past, when Saul was king over us, it was you, David, who led out and brought in Israel. And the Lord said to you, you shall be shepherd, y'all see it, of my people Israel, and you shall be prince over Israel. Here again, you see that word shepherd. Y'all see it? It's used to lead 
and guide the people. That's the shepherd. Don't miss this, though. Jesus, with this word good in front of shepherd in this text, he's again using this sovereign reference to him being God by saying, I am. And then he uses good to say he's good to his sheep, as in David, when he ruled over his people. But here's the thing. In this passage, he says, the shepherd lays down his life, which is a reference to the shepherd and what he would do for the sheep. The shepherd would literally, y'all, if y'all remember from last week, I talked about what the shepherd would do. He would lay down. I'm not going to lay on this floor right now, but he would, he would lay down in front of the door. And he would guard the door and the perimeter of the sheepfold so that wolves and lions and bears couldn't get in and eat the, the sheep. So he would literally risk his life so that nothing could get to the sheep. This is what David does. If you see in 1 Samuel 17, you see David doing this. David was, that dude was, was the man. If a lion came, he, he killed lions, he killed bears, he killed wolves for his sheep. He's literally risking his life. But unlike David, here it is, Jesus says, I'm going to lay down my life. He doesn't just risk his life. He instead willingly is going to die for his people. It's a big difference there. He says, I'm not like the hired hand that, that who, cares, who cares nothing for the sheep and in sight of trouble, I flee, I, I run away. I'm not like the hired hand. He said, he's basically saying to the Pharisees in the context of what he's talking about right now, I ain't like y'all. I'm not the one that just is out here trying to look good or better than the next person or, or, or seem better than, no, no, that's not me. I don't care about what I look like. I came to serve, not to be served. I'm here for the sake of my sheep. That's what Jesus is saying in this passage. He, he said, I'm here for their sake, their well-being. He says, I know my sheep. And because I know my sheep, I know what they need, and I will lay down my life. Jesus says he is the good shepherd. Now, before I get too caught up in this, I feel like y'all might not be getting it, so let me help visualize this a little bit for you. Would you fight a bear for me? <laughs> I mean, for real, I, I, I like to think y'all love me. Would you fight a bear for me? Some bears are over a thousand pounds. This vicious animal, all, all it has to do is lay on you. I mean, would you, you, you fight a bear for me? Some of y'all seen the revenant. That, that was crazy when that, that bear, boy, you, would you fight a bear for me? No, right? Would you, would you fight a lion for me? If a lion came up to me, I mean, lions can weigh over 500 pounds and be up to six to nine feet long. I mean, could you fight a lion for Mufasa? Could you do that? No, nah, most of us would have been just like that hired hand, saw the trouble coming, and we would have tucked tail, and we would have been out of there. We would have been like, Pastor D, you're going to be a nice steak. And somebody told me the black of the bear, the sweet of the juice. And, and yes, boy, 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 they said that dark meat is juicy, so you're going to be a good steak. You would have ran away. Jesus says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, I not only fight for my sheep, but he says, I'll lay down my life. Now, that's all good and great, right? It's good, that's, that's great, but why in the world would a shepherd die for a sheep? Or in other words, why would Jesus die for his people? Well, if you look at the text, keep looking at the text with me. Verse 14, he says, I know my own and my own know me. Don't miss those words. Just as the Father knows me and I know my Father. What is Jesus getting at here? What Jesus is trying to say here is that there is this intimate connection between the shepherd and his sheep. Don't miss it. 
He's saying that he cares for his sheep, and his sheep know this to be true, where they benefit from the intimacy. Last week, I told you that sheep are some very dumb animals. But they're not so dumb that they don't know the voice of their shepherd. See, the sheep, after being with the shepherd for so long, they they become accustomed to the sound of his voice and and the whistle, and they know when he starts talking, there's certain benefits that come along with the voice of their shepherd because they've been following him so long. Benefits like food or shelter, uh, protection, and care. And Jesus even mentions some of these in verses 3 through 5 where he says, the sheep hear his voice. He calls them by name. The sheep know his voice, and what do they do? They follow, and lastly, they flee away. Away from strangers. Now, now here I mentioned it, but don't miss what I'm saying. It's especially special during this Advent season, this, this Christmas season. What Jesus is getting at is that by being a shepherd, one thing he desires is intimacy with his sheep. Don't miss it. See, the sheep don't just follow the shepherd because he says so. They follow him because he has spent time with them. And through this time with the shepherd, they have gotten to know him. And because of that, they know that benefits come along with following him. But see, here's the problem. Sheep, like any other animal, are prone to wonder. They're prone to wander off if they don't find what they want where they are. Follow me with this. Don't miss this. Remember, sheep, they're defenseless animals. They're, they're pretty dumb. They're slow. They, they, don't, they don't have claws. The best defense that they have is probably to bash someone to death. They, they, they don't have anything in, in their arsenal. So, so when they wander off and search for something better, whether that be food or more pasture to roam around in, what commonly happens is that they're eaten or killed. Don't miss this, y'all. Not follow me. Now, here's what we miss. This is what we cannot miss, though. You know why some of us in here, we struggle in our walks with Jesus? You know why it's hard to trust Christ? Two reasons that bleed into one another. One, we have not gotten to know the shepherd enough, so therefore we've never experienced the goodness of Jesus. And because of not experiencing goodness, what happens is we commonly roam around searching for something better searching for more pasture to roam, searching for more food, and what happens is that we get into trouble over and over again. We struggle in our walks with Christ because we're just like that lost sheep that left the sheepfold, and we're, tr- we're not trusting in him fully because we haven't fully tasted his goodness and true intimacy with him. I mean, look, family, the Bible tells me in Philippians 2, that God, Jesus being God, he, he left heaven, he put a human suit on, he came down here, he didn't count equality with God, a thing to be grasped, so he leaves his heavenly seat. This, this boggles me. He leaves his heavenly seat, comes down here in the form of a servant or a slave. He humbles himself, not just to death, but to the point of death on a cross. 
And then he dies, he's buried, he rose from the grave, follow me, y'all, and then he's seen by over 500 people as he roams around, risen from the grave. There has never been one bone found. Millions of people have died for his sake and their belief in him. Non-Christians like Josephus has written about him throughout history. So not just believers, but non-Christians have witnessed this and they say that he's real. So hear me, just with that little bit that I just mentioned to you, whether you believe or not, hear me, Jesus is worth looking into. He's worth your time. He's worth your energy. And that involves way more than just coming to church on Sunday. He wants to dwell with you, to be with you every day. Don't miss it. A a good shepherd, y'all, a good shepherd is with his sheep every day. He doesn't leave their side. He he raises them. He feeds them. He grooms them. He protects them for their whole lives, not just one day, but for their whole lives. And friends, here's the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, right here in this text saying that he's the good shepherd to his sheep. He wants to be with us. He's saying that I'm the shepherd that not only wants to protect you, but I'm the shepherd that wants to be with you for the rest of your life. I'm the shepherd that wants to be there when you're down and out and you're lonely and depressed. I'm the shepherd that cares for you when that spouse or that friend turns their back on you. I'm the shepherd that wants to be with you to supply all your needs. I'm the shepherd who knows you by name and I know what you need. He says, I'm the good shepherd. Now, I know you're still sitting there and you're saying, well, that's all good. That's fine and dandy. I believe in Jesus, but I don't feel that type of intimacy. Some of you saying, I I don't feel that intimate relationship with Jesus. And I would ask you, well, how's your time in the Word of God then? The Bible, the the written Word of God right here is His love letter to us. It's the only resource we possess to really know God personally. it's, It's right here. This is why... I preach the Word of God so passionately on Sunday morning. I want you to know the written Word of God. But hear me, my preaching family is not enough. We are to be memorizing the Word of God, to meditate on it, to to preach it to ourselves. So here's, and, and here's why, because when you're not in church, when you're not around the sheepfold and you're out and about and, and the enemy tries to come against you, whether that be in the form of a, of a, a, a co-worker coming at you all kind of crazy or whether that be spiritual warfare or just some trial that uh, arise in your life out of nowhere, whatever it may be, you can pull out the Word of God and you can start preaching the Word of God to your yourself and remembering verses like Isaiah 54 17 that says no weapon shall prosper against me maybe that's not it maybe you're having bad thoughts you can flip to 2nd Corinthians 5 uh, 10 verse 5 where it says this we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and we take every thought captive to obey Christ see my point is friends that when, when, when the word of God is a gift from God given to us where where we we get to know him more through reading it we get to be intimately connected with him as we read more but we become more connected with jesus by spending time with him i've said this before and some of you guys remember it's like spending time in a relationship with somebody you don't just meet somebody and go on a date and fall in love the next day you get married i mean it doesn't work like that does it 
No, I don't, I don't know relationships that work like that. I mean, you, you're on the phone all night long, talking way too long. You're, you're saying sappy, corny one-liners to each other that you would never say to anybody else. Don't act like you ain't never been there before. We all fell off like that, saying crazy stuff, and be like, why did I just say that? I mean, we say all these things because we want to get to know the person more. We want to spend time with them, and it's, so, it's the same thing with Jesus. He's given us the Word of God right here so we could spend time with Him, get to know Him, and experience the intimacy as Him being our good shepherd. The second question I would ask you if you're having problems experiencing, experiencing intimacy with God, how's your prayer life? How's your prayer life? That's the only way we have to communicate to Jesus until he comes back. So prayer. When you ask, well, how does one pray? There's many different models that we can walk through, and I've shared some of them with you before, but here's, the, here's what I don't want you to miss. If you believe in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, that means you're in a relationship with him. Okay, don't miss. That means you're in a relationship with him. So some days when you're in a relationship with somebody, that doesn't mean that you're not going to come to them the most polished. Sometimes you're going to be upset, you're going to be frustrated, some days you'll be happy and excited, and here's the thing, Jesus wants you to come to him when you're down and depressed, he wants, to, he wants you to come to him when you're, an ex, when you're excited, he wants you to come to him when you're mad, when you're frustrated, he wants to be there in the good days, and he wants to be in the bad days. What, what I'm trying to say is that you don't have to be polished to talk to God. You don't have to do that. Just talk to him. Some of y'all don't believe me. Okay, well, this is how I know this is true. If you read the book of Psalms, you can see it real clearly. My man David, <laughs> on one hand, he's telling God, I love you. I give you all glory. Woe is me. You're amazing. You're the best thing since sliced bread. But then you start reading through that. Jesus like, I need you to kill him. I mean, David's like, I need to kill him. I need you to kill her. I mean, you read this. You're like, what is going on with David? He's up and down all over the place. Kill him. Rain down fury on this nation. God, please do this. Why are the wicked prospering and I'm over here struggling? You see David saying all of these things in the book of Psalms. Family, what I'm trying to get at is that we are to talk to God through our prayers. Talk to him and be in relationship with him. They don't have to be long and drawn out. They have to be super polished. And notice I, I said before you pray that you need to be in the Word of God. The reason I said this is because we can be so spiritual with our prayers. And, and here's the thing, your prayers need to be informed by the Word of God. And the reason I say that is because if you're in the Word of God, then you will pray now accordingly to His will instead of what you want and what you think you need. Don't miss that. We treat God like the genie in the Bible, and that's not who He is. Spend time in prayer. Third, re third reason you may not be experiencing intimacy with God is because you've left the sheepfold. You have no accountability. You have no community. You come to church on the CME days, Christmas, Mother's Day, and Easter. That's it. You, you, you don't know the sheepfold. You don't have people around you. And here's the thing. I just walked through that. When we're not in, in the sheepfold where God is our shepherd, what happens is when you're wandering around out there, you're easily getting picked off by the enemy. You're getting eaten. You're having trials uh, uh, that, that would be much easier to walk through if you're inside the sheepfold with the Father where people are experiencing those things too, and they're able to walk alongside you, keep you accountable. Satan wants you to be on the island. I'm not trying to be over-spiritual. He does want you out there. 
He, he wants you away from the sheepfold where the wolf can get you, where, where the lion can attack you. But when you're in here in community, there's life, there's protection. We don't experience intimacy because we leave the sheepfold. Family community and fellowship is very important. It's important. Jesus says in this passage, he's the good shepherd. He says his sheep know his voice and they follow. He says, I lead, I care, I protect them. But again, family, in order for us to experience this intimacy with Jesus, we have to spend time with him. Now, you may be sitting there saying, well, I, 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 I see the benefit, but, but I still don't feel it. I'm not seeing this benefit. I really, I want to see it, but I'm not feeling the benefit of intimacy with God. Here it is then. Here's the good news. When you're intimate with God, you will always benefit and you will always produce fruit. Don't miss that. When you're intimate with God, you'll benefit, but you also produce fruit. Some of y'all are not following me, so let's walk through the Bible a bit. Look, Abraham got intimate with God and he produced a city and a people whose builder was God. King David got intimate with God, and he produced a throne that would last forever because here it is, it's impossible to be intimate with God and not produce fruit. Maybe that's not enough. Let's keep walking. Moses got intimate with God, and he produced deliverance for more than 2 million people. Deborah got intimate with God, and her and Barak, they brought deliverance to the people of God. That's the Old Testament. Let's flip to the New Testament. Peter got intimate with God, and he preached one of the best sermons of all time, and 3,000 people got saved. Paul got intimate with God and became the best church planner of all time and wrote half of the New Testament. Some of y'all still not following me, maybe because you don't know some of these biblical characters, but here's what I'm trying to get at. When we get intimate with God, it's impossible not to benefit and produce fruit. Jesus is the good shepherd. He desires intimacy with you for your own good, but also for you to produce fruit. Fruit. He says in this passage, he knows his sheep like his father knows him. Family, this is huge because in one statement, Jesus intensifies what he just said about saying, I want to be intimate with you. And he doesn't just say, I want to have an intimate relationship with you. But, But he says, there's oneness. He says there, there's this oneness between he and his sheep. Don't, don't miss that. The, the reason we know this is true is because Jesus is one with the Father. He's one with the Father, the Trinity. There's three distinct persons in one but the same deity, God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and God the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is given to us as a a gift to believers to walk with us, guide us, lead us until Jesus comes back. Jesus and his Father, he says in this passage that we're one. He says, "And, and my sheep know me like my Father knows me. Now, the question becomes, well, how is that possible? How's that possible? Because we're sinful, and Jesus is holy, meaning he's without sin. Jesus and me, we're totally different. Adam sinned in the garden, and because of that, the Bible tells me in Romans 3.23 that all have fallen short of the glory of God. If this is true, how could I possibly know you, Jesus, like you know God? Well, let's keep reading the text. The end of the verse, 
Jesus says, I lay down my life for my sheep. Don't miss the significance here. Here it is, family. Jesus knows his sheep, so therefore he knows that we're sinful. He knows that we have not met that that measuring rod, that that measuring stick of holiness, which means that, that, that him being good to us, him protecting us, him caring for us, providing for us is not enough. It's not enough because God is holy and without sin. So therefore, we as humans being sinful will never experience the fullness of God by ourselves. So what does Jesus do? He dies the worst kind of death on a cross. He dies so that if we believe we can have life, hear me, through his death, the death of the unblemished, sinless lamb of God, the wrath of God toward our sin is satisfied. This is why Romans 6.23 says these words. It says, for the wages of sin is death, for the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hear me, family. Someone had to die. There had to be a sacrifice for our sins. Jesus is the only one that could satisfy the wrath of God because he was the sinless, unblemished lamb. Jesus says, I want to be the good shepherd. I am your good shepherd who wants to be intimate with his sheep. I want to have a relationship with you where he provides, protects, leads, and cares. But also knowing his sheep, knowing that they're sinful, he says, I will die for you. I'm laying my life down with you so that if you believe, you can live eternally with me. See, this is why verses 17 through 18 in the text are so special. Because Jesus says, my father loves me because I lay down my life and I take it up again. And then he says, I lay down my life on my own accord. I have the authority to take it back up. Look at these words. He's not just talking to anybody. He's talking to the Pharisees. I take up my life. Friends, Jesus is implying that he knows that he will die. He knows there will be suffering required for the sheep. He knows that he will have to die for their sins and take them to the grave. He says, I will die, but as the song says, that anthem that we sing, death couldn't hold him down. He had the power to get up from the grave, and he says, look, I will die as a man, but that will not affect my godliness because what's going to happen is I'm going to go to the grave, and I'm going to get up where you have never seen anybody get up from the grave on their own accord. So when I get up from the grave, it's going to let you know that I am God. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd that will die for my sheep. Family, hear me. This Christmas, don't get so caught up in the gifts hot chocolate, the the good food, and we forget the real reason for Christmas. Don't miss the fact that we have this good shepherd, Jesus, who desires to be with us intimately, but also died for us. Amen. As we're getting ready to close, there's one verse here in the text that I didn't really speak to. That's verse 16 where Jesus says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. They will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock and one shepherd. There's some of us that walked in here today, and we've never truly tasted or trusted Christ. You feel as though you don't belong. 
You're dirty, you're grimy, you're too messed up to enter the sheepfold, or maybe you feel like you're too good to enter the sheepfold. And this verse is telling us, it's telling you that Jesus is not done with saving people. In the context of this scripture, this verse, what he's saying is that I want the Gentiles, I want the people that are unclean, I want the clean, I want the dirty, I want the grimy, I want the good, I want the black, I want the white, I want the Latin, I want the Asian, I want everybody all from under the sun to come to me. So if you're in here today and he, he never trusted Christ, why not today? Will you put your faith and trust in Jesus? As he says in this passage, I not only want to be a shepherd who leads you, guides you, protects and provides for you, but I gave my life for you so that you can have life. Will you trust him today? become a part of this eternal sheepfold. There's some of us that walked in here today and we're down and depressed. Christmas is not the most fun time of the year. You're lonely. You may know God, but you're struggling. And God is saying to you, stop roaming around like a lost sheep, looking for satisfaction everywhere else, looking for fulfillment in all the wrong places. Just turn to me. Don't run away in this place of obscurity or, or trials or things that you're going through. I've got you in the palm of my hand. You are my sheep, and I always will take care of my sheep. He's saying, trust me. I am the good shepherd, Jesus says in this passage. Friends, wherever you are today, let's trust Jesus, our good shepherd together. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this morning. You're a good father. We're so undeserving of your grace, your mercy, and you loving us the way that you love us, God. Father, I, I just ask that if there's anyone here that's struggling with trusting you, struggling with loving you or giving their life to you, Lord Jesus, I just pray that, that you would intervene in their heart right now in that troublesome place that maybe there's a trial that's going on in their life. God, I pray that during this season you would hold them dear to you and they'd be able to trust you knowing that with you they have all that they need. I pray that for myself too, God. Even being saved, we can get off track and start trusting in our own strength. God, I pray that we, need you, that we know that we'll need you not only when we gave our life to you, but we need to walk by faith too throughout the rest of our lives. Father, you're a good father. Jesus, as we come to the table this morning, let us not forget your sacrifice. Let us remember you, what you did for us. God, we thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Everyone said together, amen.